lie. Alright. <clears throat> I can start whenever I want. That's the fun part about this. What do you mean? Am I live? Tell myself what's up. No, like you're live. Yeah, you're ready to go. All right, all right. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Live. Welcome to another episode of Lifted. I'm here with two amazing individuals. When I say that, I really mean it. I'm very excited about this. Um, two of them are very accomplished in their own rights. You have one individual, um, Latin Grammy winner. Uh, he owns one of the best, largest Hip hop Latin clubs in the in the area of Boston, Massachusetts. Period. Um, so for me, that's an amazing accomplishment. I remember when he had a small little club, and now he has one of the big, biggest clubs in the area. So we have Richie Pena as well. So Richie deserves all the credit. Next, we have Albi, who is with Cheddar Magazine, Cheddar Podcast. Uh, you had. Food trucks, very, very accomplished in the business. Um, he started at a very young age, and he's made incredible progression throughout his career in different areas. Um, and I'm very privileged to have him as well. So I want to, you know, say shout out to Albie as well for coming on. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. So today's conversation is for me as a young man growing up in Boston. I want to say we're all born and raised, or at least raised in Boston. Um, and, you know, whether it be Roxbury, Dorchester, or Charlestown. But for me, it's when I see individuals, when I when I meet individuals, I want to meet people that understand what I kind of went through and what, what type of things I've been through. Um, and when I think of people that are accomplished, your, your two names come up as well. So for me, I want you to kind of explain who you are, where you come from, and, you know, some of the accomplishments that you have. We'll start with Richie, if you're okay with that. Um, my name is Richie. Last name Peña. I am a father i'm a son i'm a husband um i am a music producer i am a entrepreneur i have different businesses um mainly focusing in the entertainment industry and you know i i have i have many different hats you know i do whatever it takes whatever we need whatever needs to get done i do that's Word. that's it Right, but he does a lot, and you stay busy. And I know that because I can't get a text for like another hour or two because he's that busy. Um, Albie, talk to me about your upbringing. I know you, I know you started uh, you started in school, and right after school you decided to, to open a food truck. Mm-hmm. And then from there you made some progression. So you want to talk to me about some of your history and how you were able to get to where you are today? Um, upbringing, um, I don't know, just started young. You know, young as an entrepreneur. You know, um, I'm very entrepreneurial. Say um, one of my first successes that a lot of folks know about is a food truck, but many businesses, transportation companies, um, detail companies, food businesses, uh, you know, just it goes on and on. So a lot of companies, um, you know, management properties, real estate, different real estates in different states. So you know, just like tons of different, just hands and everything, you know, um, parties from Cali to Miami to Chicago. I don't care, you can't say. So just, I'm, you know, I'm like when I'm, I can't stay, I can't stay still. Yeah, I but can't stay still. Where did you get that from? Mm, maybe I got ADD. I don't know what it is. Oh, no, I don't know what it is. I got a problem. I don't know, but I just, you know, it's funny because my parents say that they're like, I don't know what he just, he just goes to the next thing. He yeah. just, you know, so just you know, kind of multitasking. You know, like um, 
Like when it's slow, I'm no good. When it's too much going on, that's when I'm at my best. Right. You know, I work good under pressure. Richie's shaking his head because it feels like no, no, you I can agree, agree with that. that. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. When, I'm, when things are like slow or <laughs> things are done, I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. Right. So I always need to keep it moving. I need to keep doing something. Yeah, but you was, you was walking halls in Madison, right? And you was, you was having fun in Madison. I, I remember you being a pretty boy, right? Like, you know, the guy that had all the girls, right? And not to, like, put a, a label, but usually when people, like, are in that space, they're not that motivated to, like, do as much in music mm-hmm. or anything like that. But you, I'm talking about, like, ninth, 10th grade, you was already kind of dabbling in the music. So where did that come from? Because it was uh, music started for me, it was kind of like poetry. I started doing poetry when I was young. And it, I started doing poetry as a way to deal with my own problems you know i grew up without a father i grew up in the projects i grew up with a single mom who had three kids um four kids you know and and, you know she was working two or three jobs every single day and i started writing poetry to express myself to to get things off my chest because i really had nobody else to talk to yeah um and poetry became melody and it became music later on you know and it became something that i was that I felt comfortable doing, you know what I mean? The writing, the the production came way later, and we can talk about that later um, when I actually started producing. But that's kind of like, you know, for me, it was, it was that. It was a way to express myself. And, and one of the reasons that I kind of became more into music was because it, I saw it as a way out from where I was at. Hmm. What, was, what did you see that inspired you to start thinking that way? Something motivated you. And you was like, yo, there actually is another way out. I wanted to do something. And I tried different things. I, I tried building bikes. You know, nobody really knows this, but I was actually, you know, building bikes. And, you know, I was painting them and, and trying to flip them and, you know, just trying to do bikes. To, so that was like your, first, your first way That was my money. first thing until That's I went down a hill and the front wheel locked on me. And I flew like <laughs> 30 feet up in the yeah. air. And I like, you know, I, I messed up my arm. And I was like, you know what, maybe bikes are not <laughs> you know? So I was like, let me get back to music. Um, and with music, I started off kind of like as an artist, you know what I mean? I was just like, I was doing things with a friend of mine, Ready. Yeah. Um, and we were working together. Um, first we started off as a duo and he was making the beats at that time. And the, when I started making beats, actually it was, this is a funny story because Ready was the one making all the beats and we had put together a small, like, you know, album of, if you want to call it that, or a mixtape. And... He came at me and he said, oh, I just did this song by myself. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what you mean you did a song by yourself? Like, you know, you didn't even tell me about it. You just want to go off and do a song? All right. So I listened to the song that he did and I was like, you know what? All right. So I'm going to make my beat too. And I'm going to make my own song by myself because we were a duo. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be my song. And I did my own beat and I did my own song and I put it in the album. Um, And that's how that whole production thing really got started. It was with that moment of like, I was like, that's not cool, man. <laughs> you felt left out. Yeah, I felt left like, out. That's my like, boys over here making hits. Start, I'm going to start doing it too. Yeah. And, you know, later the crew became bigger, which Alofoque, um, with Hassel and Haris, then later, later came on. And, you know, I think to this day, Alofoque was probably one of the, the biggest groups locally because we were selling out shows. And when I say we were selling out shows, we were selling out shows. Yeah. Three, four, five hundred kids 
that were going to see us in different venues. Yeah, no, I um, remember. I remember being, uh, I was working at Lids in Galleria Mall, and then uh, you and Heli came by, and you was like, yo, we, we got a group, and we about to get signed. So I'm like, what? I'm only working at a hat store, and y'all talking about getting signed? This is not fair. I think I picked the wrong profession, and I didn't learn my lesson. I stayed in it. But regardless, I was like, yo, that's pretty dope that you was out there chasing your dreams. Who knows, you know, where to, where, where to come to? Um, talk to me about it yourself, Chad. Like, where, where did this start for you? Like, I know you was in school, and, and you had this passion to open a food truck before the food trucks was popping, mm-hmm. right? Because food mm-hmm. trucks became a trend, but you was before the trend. Oh, yeah, How did you see that trend. coming up? And you're like, yo, I'm going to be first the, at it. The food truck was kind of like an accident when I say the food truck. Um, I kind of, one of my um, my best friend, I remember um, I came home from school. This might be my first year. This is like 92, 93. Yeah. I came back from Virginia. I went to Norfolk State. Came back home and uh, he had a gas grill on the, on the porch. So uh, he was out there, he cooking. And, you know, at the time, he was in culinary school, culinary art school, you know, getting his uh, food and stuff together. So his his big brother is, like, the big homie. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, he's got the big homie. So the big homie was like, yeah. listen, you know, I'm going to get y'all a grill. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he kind of like, we was like, all right. And what it was was um, we wanted to go to Greek, to Philly, to the Greek chef, to the Greek fest. And we yeah. like, you know what? We're going to go to the park, and we're going to sell food. And we're gonna make enough money to go to the Greek. We made enough money to like, you know, we went to fucking the airport, got some rentals. We you know we made about six, seven hundred dollars easily in one day. The next yeah. day we made another six, seven hundred dollars. So we like fourteen, fifteen hundred up. So we went and got some so rentals down the highway, and got yeah. out of town or something. So Absolutely. we came back the next weekend, and we just had a. In the first, it was like a food, you know, like just a table on a stand. After that, you know, now you start to play business. Now you're like, okay. Breads, waters, sodas, and you, you know, you start to understand your business. And from there, you know, 10 years, 11 years, you know, I went back to school and then I yeah. come home and, you know, I never work. I get enough money in the summer to be straight. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then years on, once I graduated from school, I just bought a truck. You just straight you know, up. So. How did you buy that truck? Just straight saving it? Um, to be honest, this, so this is what happened. The first food truck, I looked back then, remember the newspaper, you couldn't go online. What was the paper? Uh, it was like yeah. a red and white. Uh, it was like I don't know. It had all the cars in it. Yeah, so I found the food. Yeah. I found the food yeah, truck right, in right, it. Yeah. I must have found several. So I kept kept riding out, riding out. I finally found one. It was like eighteen thousand. I was like, all right. So I think I had like ten. And, and you were saving that from all like the business you were yeah, doing just, on the side, which yeah, you did. Exactly. So you just piled that so up. By this time, enough to put yeah. a t- by ten thousand like deposit on something. Yeah, but then- by this time I've graduated from college. I mean, I had Honda Accords, I had cars, I had other businesses. So okay. I had other. I had already had the detail shop. I okay. had other. You know, so by this time, I had. A, yeah, I had. You know, I just had several businesses by this time, and you know, I had a couple of dollars. You know, I yeah. wasn't broke. But I didn't have enough, to be honest. I know I didn't have enough because I had to borrow some money from my pops. Okay. So I think he bought like six, six grand. So I had enough, went, and it was, you know what? The truck was 14. I borrowed six from him. I put up like the six or four, and I put another four into like, you know, putting speakers on it, yeah. cleaning it up, you know, breaking your shit, you know, put a little finesse on my shit. yeah. I don't know if you watched the show, The Chai. Have you saw The Chai? Nah. Hey, the homeboy in the show just bought his own food truck. So oh, yo, The Chai. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, exactly. You bought so the I, put, I, put, I don't know. He got his, <laughs> his truck for shorts, though. Hey, hey. He got his truck. 
But you saw his dream. He was all dreaming. It was crazy because back then I had to go to 1010 Mass Ave. I had to pull over my truck. They had to come through. You know, I had to go to fire food. He built in. He built a new fire extinguisher. So I think I had to spend. That was like another 1500 I had to put in to build fire extinguishers and all this shit in my truck. So this was back in like maybe 2000. Yeah, I think 2000. Everything we graduated. So yeah. So then. So from there, you he know, probably sold us a sandwich. Yeah, know. probably, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it, was, it was cool. But the food, food business is, is it's a, tough. It was a, yeah, it, nah, it's not tough. It's a, it's work. You know, so, yeah, you know, work hard and not smart. So what, what, what made you? Harder. So what made you get to the point where you're like, you know, like the food truck isn't where I want to be for the rest of my life? Is that when you made the transition to magazines, or how does that transition work? Hmm. Um. So at the time, my my partner who I came in with, so this ten years, so we bought the food trucks ten. He I did ten years. So my same man, he wow. was still that's still my best friend to this day. That's what's up. He was just like he was burnt out. Yeah. He was like, man, yeah. I'm tired. He was like, man, yeah. you know, like that shit was like demanding. Yeah. Like on it was your whole weekend. I'm not gonna lie weekend. to you. I think. Uh, at least two or three of my fr- like good good friends, you might have been twins. Like we all wanted to do the food truck, and we understood like what it took because you don't mm-hmm. have to just get like you don't. The money's just part of it. You need to go to city. You need to get all like you know the certifications, food. But you have to like on say if you're having a busy weekend, you have to start on Friday or Thursday, Friday. Your weekend's prepping, gone. Buying gas your weekend's for your gone. food. Make sure you got food. Make sure your food is prepped. Make yeah. sure everything's ready. Yeah. So by Saturday morning, you're rolling out, and then you got to clean up. And you must say so. Say you want to start at 10 a.m. You gotta, you know, you gotta be there at eight a.m. and then yeah. you might roll till ten p.m. Yeah, you know, and then next morning you're so back the hours, up at 8 like the aggressive hours, got to yeah. So that's, you know, like, by Monday you just like I just gonna sleep all Monday just to catch up. Yeah, you know, but you know, but by then like that seven hundred dollars wasn't just seven hundred dollars no more. Yeah, that was ten years ago. That shoot, that was, it was a whole lot. It was a different game by this time. Ten was like fifteen but, twenty easy. Yeah, but the the um it was just demanding. It, it, it took a lot, you know, and I kind of understood that so. And now I had a, I had a transportation company. I think I had a piece of property in Taunton. So, you know, it, it was probably more demanding on him than me because I was doing a, several other companies as well. So I was like, all right, you know, so um, we ended up just getting rid of the food truck. And, and then you went to, is that when you made transition to the music industry or like the, that, that part of it? Or you just kind of just held back for a little bit and just kind of worked what you had at the time? Um, no, it was. Uh, when did the Cheddar Magazine come out? Oh, four. So it took you a couple of years to yeah, kind of like regroup, yeah. and then you went for the magazine. Mm-hmm. How did? How, what made you want to start a magazine? Um, I probably did some. I was just doing events. I was doing car shows and stuff. I yeah. was doing like kid capri parties. I was doing kind of kid doing, capri parties. Mm-hmm, kind of doing things that were kind of different at that moment. Um, I wanted to do a magazine. That's what it was. Just, I wanted to do. A, I wanted to do a magazine like a blend of like source magazines meets King Magazine, meets Black Enterprise. Mm. So, if, like, this time, DVDs weren't out. So, you know, I just, like, those are the three magazines no, I just, like, like the, the most. Was, yeah, the sources, sources was like, gave you know, my before, like, when you woke up in the morning, you wake up, you check your stuff, you go to the store, and you get your source. Black that Enterprise like a, gave me, like, the urban business stories yeah. that I was just, like, in, like, wow, this is how this person's getting money. Wow, this is what they're doing in Houston. Wow. You know, so that gave me that aspect. And um, King Magazine, I just love King. I was like, "Woo, this bad boy right here, what is that? Yeah, most people love King. I can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when it, was, when it was time to, um, I think I'd get my business plan together. So I knew what, what direction I wanted to go in, and I wanted the magazine, the actual print. As I was starting to do my numbers, now we're in the era where DVD magazines are becoming 
you know, kind of popular. Yeah. I wouldn't even say popular. They just coming out. Kind of taking over. You know, so, well, 03. I don't know where they were in 03, yeah. 04, but they weren't, you know, they weren't like, you know, everywhere. Yeah. But they were kind of like, okay, this is a, this is what's next. So, once I did the um the budgeting and the cost for a magazine and the cost for a DVD were, were the same. Okay. Actually, the DVD was cheaper than the magazine. The press of a DVD was much cheaper than it was the press of a magazine. Right. And then the but the retail of a DVD at that time was twenty dollars. The retail magazine was five dollars. Mm. And then the production, what you needed to pay an editor, uh, and then yeah, it, yeah. it was it was it was didn't it, it was like common sense. It was like I can do this shit on my own. I'm gonna spend thirty thousand on my first issue to print the magazine. It would have cost me thirty thousand, but I could have bought all my camera equipment for thirty thousand. Yeah, you know, and at this time, I think I was buying XL ones. I was buying wireless mic systems. I was buying boom mics. I was buying lighting. I was, you know what I mean? Is that where the Smack DVD came out? Mm-hmm. That so time? this is Smack DVD oh, okay, era. This is definitely yeah. Smack yep, DVD yep, era. Yep, yep. That was and huge, um, man. I would say Smack DVD was influ- influential in my decision. You know, okay. probably something I've seen. Probably no, but I, but the reason I, DVD but the only reason why I bring that DVD. up is because you you're in the magazines. And you see where it was, and then you see other DVDs, one or two popping up. You're like, yo, I can do that too, mm-hmm. and then spend less money to be able to mm-hmm. produce that project. I'm mm-hmm. doing essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. I might as well just make that transition because mm-hmm. save a lot of money mm-hmm. and then kind of evolve. Because we all have to evolve. I think the key the key is evolving. Mm-hmm. Just like Richie's been able to do amazing evolvement, so mm-hmm. I think that's where you was able to kind of see it, where most people may not. Mm-hmm. Right, so then they may not fall. They so fall under. Adapting to the changes. Yeah, adapting to the changes. I think that was huge, and that's what I'm getting at. Because for me, when I see that, I see a person. I was like, okay, I, this this brought tremendous, you know, success. But I understand that things are changing, and I'm gonna make sure I adjust with it. And that's what you did, and that's what I see. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Makes I sense. Agree. I know Rich, Richie's been, a, you know, it's the same same with you. You've done a lot of evolving and changing too, not just with the club. But I want to start before the club part. Before the club part, you you went and did something remarkable um, for everybody that's involved in your life, family, friends, everybody. So, what did you accomplish that most people, you know, are looking to work towards? The guy got a Latin Grammy. Hmm. Come on, like let's let's come on, like he's being modest, man. He's the big guy on the couch. He's the man on the couch. Nah, nah, I think sure. we're all, Can we drink to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we drink to that? Hell yeah. This guy's got Latin Grammy, man. He walked the red carpet. He got to meet a lot of good people. And when I watch all his videos, I feel like when I when I, when I I study on Richie, one of his main things was he wants to motivate and inspire others, right? And in, in, in history. And he got, he was actually accomplished that. So, Richie, bring me through that whole scenario. Bring me through the, the moment where, like, he was working towards it and then the accomplishment of it. The reason I got into music is because I couldn't get a job anywhere mm. because I was here illegally. Mm. Mm. So all throughout high school, I went by, you know, making music, you know, going to school. And I remember in, in high school, when I think it was my freshman year, I remember they had that, um, it was a program where they kind of like linked you up with a company and then you had to go into Absolutely. the company and they give you a job. AT&T. So when I went into that, you know, they it was a web design company. Um, the Madison was um, linking me up with. They were paying like twenty twenty five dollars an hour, which was at that time was like that's a lot of money. So I went in for the interview. I got the job. The lady who interviewed me said, "All right, come back tomorrow. Bring me your social. Bring me your paperwork, and we'll get you processed." So I went home and I was like, "Mommy, I need my where's my social?" Oh. And that's when I found out that I was an immigrant because wow. I didn't even know. 
Wow. So she was like, you know, you don't have a social because you're not here legally. And I was like, well, that sucks. You know? So not only couldn't I get a job. I don't even think you understood the severity of not having a social. Like, at that age, you probably just knew that sucked because you can't sucked. get that job. Because you couldn't get the job. But, but I also, I, I found out that I couldn't get, I couldn't go to college. Hmm. Because I wasn't, one, I wasn't going to be able to afford it. Yeah, that's when it started hitting you. Like, and I wasn't going to be able to get any sort of financial aid. Hmm. So at that point, high school to me became useless. Which is another reason why I wasn't that great of a student. You can't find a lot of motivation in that. No. Music, the first beat I made, I made $150. And I was like, hmm. I just made $150. <laughs> it's not bad. So you know what? Let me make some more. And I started making more music. And that's when I really got getting into production because it was a way for me to make money without really having to get a job. Right. You know? And I, I stuck to it. And, and later it became something that I really wanted to pursue. You know, I did the Alafoga thing and... The group did well. We ended up having, like, you know, differences in opinion. And we ended up breaking up. You know, at that time, the group stayed together. But I was kind of, like, you know, separated from that. And it was hard because it was something that I started. It was like my baby. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to New York. I had met a sister. Wait, you went to New York? I went to New York. Just up and left. Was I went to New York because while, while I was going or? no, while I was going to New York, believe it or not, my dad was a bit of a hoe. So he had a lot of kids. No doubt. <laughs> and I actually have an older sister <laughs> who I met. We drink that. Get <laughs> 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 the box. <laughs> so you know, I met my sister Vanessa, who's my older sister, and you know. She knew of me, I knew her, but we've never met. So one time, one time I went up there with so the guys. So you tell me, your sister's the reason why I got a Latin Grammy? So my sister's the, the, the person who really opened the doors for me to go to New York and gave me the opportunity to be Look there, you know. Shout out to Pop. Right. To right. be able to, like, you know, yeah. meet mm -hmm. people. And at this time, what was popping was what? MySpace. Mm. So MySpace was the tool I used to find out who was working at Sony, who was working at Universal, who was working at... Um, one of the labels at the time was UBO, Urban Box Office. And UBO was uh, the label behind um, Chosen Few. And they had several other artists. Right. So when I went over there, you know, I started working with them. I started networking. Um, at the time, I had really good beats. Really good beats. And this is the time that, you know, Noi was doing um, Oye Mi Canto with Don Omar. And um, uh, what's his name? Um, Big Mato. And... Um, Damn, what's this dude? He's actually my boy. Um, but this is hip hop, and you were still paying attention. Oh, to this the is reggaeton. Because you're reggaeton. Oh, because he was he this was transitioning into the reggaeton. He was transitioning. And you was like, oh, I see you yeah. coming over. Okay. So they had a bunch of producers out there, and I went over there, and you know, I ended up getting a job, which was to produce a remix with um, two guys. Um, what's his name? Carl Sturgeon and something Rogers. I forgot. Evan yeah. Rogers. Yeah, yeah. And these are the guys that found Rihanna. And discovered her and signed her. And they gave me to do a remix for Rihanna and a, a group that was coming out at the time called J Status. Mm. So I did that remix and it was a reggaeton remix and they loved it. And, you know, that was like my first like gig out there that I was like, you know, proud of. And I got paid like, I think it was like two, three thousand dollars for that. Mm. So I was like, you know what? 
Nah, he was like, oh, this nigga like this right here. Yeah. <laughs> he went from 150 to two, three grand. That's yeah. not a bad come out. So, you know, like, it was, um, it was difficult being in New York. I'm not going to lie, dude. There were days that I barely ate. I didn't want to impose too much on my sister because she had two daughters and she was single. Shout out to the friends that bought you Domino's. Yo, real talk. That's how I survived, bro. Like, I used to call my boys up in Boston. And I was like, yo, I'm fucking starving. You got to get me, like, yo, hook me up. And they would call Domino's from Boston, pay with their credit cards, and they would deliver to the house. Right. And that's the, I ate Domino's for, like, I don't know how long. Yeah. You know, and while being in New York, it's how I met, um... I'm 280, a, man. Domino's fits me perfect. I, I, I love Domino's. Yeah. I still love it. <laughs> so, um, while being in New York, I met so many different people. And one of the people I met was this girl named um, Karin. Karin Carriel. And she was a really good... Um, she was working for UBO at the time, I believe. Um, and she introduced me to other people. And long story short, I met this guy, um, Adot Robles. Um, and he introduced me to another guy, and, and I ended up being um, this guy named um, Egal. Um, and, like, he was working with um, Nelly Alma Secreta. Um, and Nelly was, like, a huge producer at the time. This is the guy that was producing Wisin and Yandel, mm. um, Rakata, like, all the big hits, Daddy Yankee. He was working with Hector El Fallen. He was working with, like, anybody who's, anybody back then, this was the guy that was working with them. And I said, I, I hit him up. I said, listen, I know how I, could, I write songs. I produce. I engineer. I can do videos. Whatever you need, I got you. And they gave me the opportunity to, like, you know, work with them. And eventually, they ended up um, moving. Uh, I ended up moving in with them. You know, they gave me an opportunity. They gave, they gave me a home. And, and, you know, they ended up uh, letting me stay with them. And through then, through there, I met uh, Don Omar. Mm. And me and Don Omar, like, you know, he was like, the first day I recorded him, this is funny, because the, the first day I recorded him, first day I met him, we're recording in the studio, and he's recording, and he's singing, and I stopped it. And I said, yo, that, that's it, that, it's out of whack, you gotta do it again. Wait, so Don Amalo's already, like, seasoned. He's already, he was already like, huge. He's already huge. <laughs> huge. And you're the young and guy. And I'm recording him. Coming in, telling him, yo, that's not what. And I was like, yo, let's, let's, let's do it again. And I recorded. And after I hit record the second time, I was like, oh, my God. I just fucking told him. <laughs> and then he came into the studio. And he was like, yo, you know what? I like that. I respect that. And he gave me his number. Word. And he became really cool with me after that. And fast forward to a few months later, dude, the guy asked me to move in with him. Hmm. So I lived with Don Omar for about like two, two and a half years. And no, um, Domino's Pizza, man. Oh, we're still eating Domino's. Still? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but this time I couldn't wait, but it was still good. I was just used to it. Yeah, I was just saying, upgrading the it, meal. It was man. part of the, the routine. <laughs> so, right? you know, like, you know, I lived with him for several years and I produced everything that he was working on, That's you know. Right. Um, and working with him, I met. Um, Tony Dice, I met Chili Nacho because he went. Um, Don Omar was always going to Venezuela a lot to do um, performances. And when Chili Nacho, um, they came to New York to work with a song with Don, I ended up producing the song. And you know they were huge in Venezuela. And long story short, after they did that song, they went back to Venezuela. It did all right. It did okay. But then they came back. They called me. They wanted me to produce their whole album. You know, and 
you know, they pay me good well, money. Well, I mean, I mean, that's amazing. But what what I see from that story, I don't help me out because you're in the music industry. I see that um one, he was able to see the talent, right? He was able to see that this part, like these two guys, are going to be able to be really huge because I don't think they were that big in Venezuela, right? They were pretty big in Venezuela, but they didn't have international status. Okay, and then all they did was kind of, they they chose you to produce their album. They come down, and that's. I don't know like, why they chose me. Because you told you know, Don Omar, you, you so know, maybe because I was next to Don Omar or whatever, but like they chose me to produce their album. And the way we worked that out, they came to Boston for like a week or two. In one week, we did about 11 or 12 songs. Nice. In one week. One of those songs was Mi Niña Bonita, which is the song that blew up in 2009, 2010. And it was it, we got like so many Billboard awards for that. Different they got other awards for like you know new artists and other stuff. Stuff. I mean honestly, they and still then the Grammy today because they still have that. The Grammy they, was the biggest song that really just like the, the, the biggest award that we got. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So that was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Now I I just think it's dope because you know I think that's a that's a a dope come up, but more importantly like what you were willing to do to get there right and then for me to share that message is just showing that it's not it's just you meet people right you meet the right person you work hard you prepare you had a you had a a, a slogan was a well, preparation meets. You Preparation meets opportunity equals success. Yeah, right. So you was prepared, the opportunity came, and you yeah. and you nailed it. Mm. So that's and it was that's funny. I, I actually learned that at Madison. Yeah, that and yeah. that stuck with TV me. TV production. TV not, production. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. learned it at Madison, and that stuck with me. And when the whole thing that, happened with Nelly, Pesco? Um no, it was Mr. Collins and Mr. Collins? Uh, Mr. Worrell. Yeah. Mr. Worrell. Yeah, TV so, production, so you know, working. When that me. happened, dude, like when when I was in school, I always saw that quote on the on the board. Yeah, and to me, I was like, you know what? I need to prepare myself. So when the opportunity came that Edgar Tavera, the guy who was managing Nelly, called me and I was like, listen, I produce, I do this, I do that. Like, he couldn't say no. Yeah. Because I was doing it all. I was doing yeah. everything. So I prepared myself to the point where I was going to get that opportunity and I was going to get become successful at it. So... For me, the successful part at it is definitely difficult, but you learn a lot. I'll be like, even with you, like you've 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 got your hands in a lot of different pots and pans. Like you're just working hard. Like what 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 are you doing that's different from others that people could pick up on? Because you, I mean, your 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 interest is income in different ways, right? Just making sure you hustle and working hard. So, what do you what did what did you take out from that story that would have helped um, for others? Well, what you what you said was why did they choose them? Hmm. He said why they chose him. How many times you see it fucking you get eleven hot songs in seven days? When was the mm. last time you did eleven songs in seven days? When was the last time you worked that hard? Mm-hmm. Like work put all that energy. So they they knew they knew the quality of music, but they knew that the energy he was gonna give them. Mm. So that's important from because they're a business too. So they're saying, mm-hmm. damn, I gotta get this shit done. <sighs> we need that sound. And they probably been looking for it. But we need to get it done. And they just knew that, like he said, he was ready. He was right. prepared. Right. They, they, what they needed was the opportunity. They, they gave him, and it worked. You know, so it was a combination of two. So for, for, for you going forward, you know, at that point, what was next after that? So now, you guys, is this where you got your Latin Grammy? Talk to me about the Latin Grammy experience as well, too. The Latin Grammy experience sucked because See, I that, still that's had crazy. no papers. It sucked. That's no, no, I still had no papers. So how do you get from Boston to Vegas without flying? It took me like three days on a train. Wow. Whoa. The dedication. 
I went three days on a train, dude. And fuck the, God, the train, the train. <laughs> fuck that. Someone would have drive to get an Uber. It just sucked. I didn't want to go, but you know what? I didn't want to drive. You know why I didn't want to drive? Because I didn't want to risk getting pulled over yeah, and getting asked true. for my ID or whatever. You know what I mean? And so you didn't want to get put away the weekend before like the biggest weekend. That would have really sucked. So how would you get around before that? Nah, I was... Rise, bro. Depending on other people. What but was you were leaving the country, wasn't you? No. Oh, you never left the country. I've never, I never left the country until about like, was, was 2018. I got my papers back in like 14, 15. Wow. What was that route like? That route. So it was beautiful. So when when they was in Venezuela, I got a room. I got a train. I got a room. They, <laughs> they just came to you because they had no other choice. When that? When you said they? But when they did the Grammy song, when they did the music, they had they really probably wanted you to come to them. Did they? Oh, yeah. Dude, I lost so many opportunities because there were so many artists that I worked with that wanted me to go to Puerto Rico, wanted me to go to um, Colombia or Venezuela, wherever they were at, but I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yo, just come through. As a matter of fact, like, you know, even with Don Omar, even with, even with Everybody Don Omar. Everybody goes to Miami, though. Any Latin community. Miami's hot now, but Miami wasn't hot. Yeah, well, you back then. This is like back in 04. Yeah, fuck. No, and, and back in, 10, in, in 2010, it wasn't that hot. No. What, was pot, what, what was hot was actually New York. That's why Don Omar yeah. was in New York. That's why everybody else was in New York. But it's Spanish. But it's Spanish. Then now it's transition. Now it's, yeah, yeah. everything's in Miami now. Miami, hell yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck but it, it was different. You had to come to Miami to meet me. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Talk, yeah. talk to me. Meet those... you halfway from Boston to Miami. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's, it's there's a lot of undocumented children that's in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in Massachusetts, but everywhere. Um, it's even. It's even a, a topic that's brought up nationally by Trump. So for me, it's you represent not just you know Americans. You represent undocumented Americans. I was one of those. And that's kids. a whole nother realm. And and the thing, this is the thing about it. Like you grew up with me, essentially. You know, yeah. we went to school together. Yeah. We know each other from back then. And. Do you agree that people who are undocumented, those kids should go back? No, never that. But Absolutely there's not. people that do. Yeah. There's friends of mine that do until I was like, dude, but do you think I should go back, bro? Yeah. And they're like, nah. Because you've been here. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. No. I've been here. Those kids have been here. So it's kind of like the same thing. I just think about those children without parents and parents without children. Yeah. That to me alone should be the reason why nobody should even, you know, you know, even let this even go on any further mm-hmm. because for me, my children mean everything. I can't imagine being like, listen, you, you're not from here. You need to get back. But my mm-hmm. children are, are being raised here. So I could now, never... For example, if... so, so let me play devil's advocate, right? What about those people who use that system? They're like, as soon as I get here, have a baby. They can't separate us. That's not even true. No, there is that mentality. He just, no, he just, he's just, no, he's just talking no, about no. the, the, no, but the, 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 the baby saying the baby's the an baby, American citizen. Yeah, the baby's an American, but just like you said, splitting up that family, right? You don't want to, but you're like, I if I can't send back the parent because the parent, uh, the parent has to be a parent. That means I, I have to send them both. Mm. And the child is like, I've been living here. I don't know this country that my parent came from, but they gotta go. What about that? There are people who do that. They're like, I have the baby here. The baby's a citizen, so I have to stay here. I'm saying that there's sometimes think, there's loopholes in the system. No, what about I the think, people who, who come through on a tax system and make a couple of million because they donated a few thousand dollars? Oh, there's, 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 All right, there's tax, there's loopholes in any system. Yeah. Damn, but that's a loophole. Is, like, oh, well, it happens. See, that right see, there, though, is a perfect example that, of what's wrong. 
because the, the, what the people who are actually doing that or maybe doing that, that are a very small percentage. Like, but there's people who come and just get married like, for no but reason. The problem, there's, but the there's going to be loopholes in any system. I think I think the the, the the fundamental version, the fundamentals are there. Like mm-hmm. if you're here, like the dream is the dream act. This mm-hmm. is what we're kind of talking about. The and Dream Act the dream... is what gave me the opportunity to get my papers. Exactly. Yeah. By Obama's, ex- were you paying attention when Obama extended? Were you at that time in life? Were you like, oh wow, Obama kind of no. extended the Dream Act? Or when Obama just, did the Dream Act, you just did. That's what gave me the opportunity to become legal. Mm-hmm. That's literally what did it for me. That moment in time when Obama said we're gonna do this, that's what gave me the opportunity. Otherwise, I would still be here illegally. Mm-hmm. Now, is it fair? That I would be here illegally all this time after everything that I've been doing and accomplishing. I still pay taxes. Even when I was illegal, I had a fucking uh, tax ID number where I was paying taxes. Hmm. And I was paying a lot of taxes. Yeah. No, I don't think it's fair at all. I mean, I, I mean, I think Mike, you know, I think we're just trying to bring a different perspective. But the part that, that 5% or 12%, 15% people think that way can end up in office. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the scary part. Right? I just don't, I just think like. You're only looking at one group of people. What if you're Russian and you come over here and have a baby? What if you're, you know what I mean? What if you're from China and you come over? What here? about the people that Australia? go down to what different countries? Yeah. Exactly. So I'm not. Let's talk like, about Trump himself. Yeah, how many that's, wives? That's not just no, the, How many wives did Trump have three. that are out of the, the <laughs> country that were three born wives. outside the country and he went to them, married them, and brought them into the country? Exactly. All three. Well, two of them were imported yeah. because it was convenient for him. <laughs> Because you know what I'm saying, though? No, it makes but sense. the point is, like, you know I'm saying? Like, but if you try to analyze Trump, you're the fool. Yeah. <laughs> come on, like, you, come on, man. But, like, but, but, the problem let, is, honest, but, but the problem is, is that fools can be elected, right? So fools can take office and fools can have a lot of power and a lot of decisions. Do you agree that he's a fool? Of course, so but but, but the thing exists. He's kind of like he's out. Of course, no. I mean that's not even. So I agree with you hundred percent. But if you agree with that, why would you even try to analyze and make make sense of anything he does? I think it's just making sure we don't have that problem continuing, right? He's gonna continue to be that way. We can't continue to have more Trumps in office. I was saying this should be a learning lesson for us all to make sure we go back and be like, oh, this is not happening. Listen, Trump set a trend because the next person that comes, the next person that comes after Trump. That's gonna basically hold a a a, um, a campaign is gonna be even more crazy than Trump is. I, I think. I think, I think what we learned was with Trump is two things. One thing is the country is way more racist than anyone would have ever had imagined that mm-hmm. there's this much racism in the country. Yeah. And number two is can a election be stolen. We still don't know that at this moment. We, yeah. we still don't know that. We yeah. fun, On the outside, it looks real shaky. It looks very well manipulated. Exactly. So can an election, exactly, can an election be manipulated? So if it yeah. does, then we, we, were, we lose opportunities in yeah, different so. spaces that Well, the thing is, like, one of the issues that I have right now is with the fake news that's going on on Facebook. You don't understand how many times I got to go and comment on people's um, posts and say, listen, you need to check the post and check the source of this because this is fake. This is a lie. Yeah. You know, th- th- for example, this one that's popular, that's about um, people who are vaccinate their kids. They shouldn't get vaccinated because, you know, if they get vaccinated, they're going to get, you know, they're going to end up with some sort of like, you know, deformity or, or mental incapacity or whatever. Like they- they're just going to get messed up. 
I get a, a dude. Social media. This is all yeah. BS. Yeah. Show me a credible source. Okay, that did a study and proved this to be right. There isn't one. There isn't one. And it's the same thing, for example, this all this like, oh, we're going to come in and we're going to take your guns. Obama wants to take your guns. Obama wants to do this. Obama wants to do that. This is all propaganda. But that's, I'm saying, but that's the fool again. Who's going to believe but anything this, they read on social network? The people who voted for Trump. Everyone I'm saying that, that, that I'm, I'm saying is hopefully, there's a lot of people that voted people for Trump. Become Listen, if, if a fucking black president, the, if Obama had in the, in the three different kids from three different women, had been divorced that many times, had been bankrupt so many times, had been accused of having an affair with a fucking porn star, he would have been impeached already. Come on, dude. I mean, for me, a man who's been accused of fucking rape. There's a, like there was like a 15 year old um, accusing him of rape or something. Yeah. You know, he's been accused by several women. Okay. He himself. He's went, a gangster. He he's a gangster. <laughs> nah, 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 I'm, I'm not gonna glorify that. I'm man. saying I'm say, not not who said like nah, you can't go, I'm, I'm not, not glorifying I, a gangster. Think, what I'm doing is I'm not saying a gangster. I'm not glorifying gangster, but that's a straight gangster mentality. Yeah, no. Nah, Someone so, who takes whatever the fuck they want to take. Right, so Someone's gonna, gonna say I'm gonna take an election. Someone's gonna say I'm gonna take this woman. I'm gonna pay her off. I'm gonna buy another lawyer Let's to pay him off. And you can't this. touch me. I'm gonna do what I want to do. What is your feeling on guns? That's a gangster. I think guns need to most... be controlled. I think guns need to be. I think they have a, have to have a better plan around. I don't like the fact that any regular person can get any gun, especially assault rifles. That to me is is above. Listen, I have a friend that he's a really good friend of mine. And him and I go back and forth, and we argue about this point. Yeah. Now, I posted something on on Facebook talking about, oh, we're not trying to take your guns, blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, but what if, you know, for the sake of argument, you know, cars kill more people yeah. on, a, on a daily basis? Why don't we start regulating cars? That's like, cars are regulated. To get a license to drive a car, bro, you have to do, you got to get a driver's you know, first you gotta get your permit. Then you gotta pass a driver's uh, uh, test, and then you get your license. Now, me personally, I think that for guns, I think everyone should has the right to own a gun. Yeah. Whether it be a gun, whether it be an assault rifle, I don't have a problems with assault rifles. Yeah. I don't think that they are necessary. Assault rifles are not necessary. They're not necessary, but if you want to own one, I think you have the right to own one. Yeah. What I do believe is that anyone who wants to own a a, a, a gun should have some, you know, a, a, there should be a process. You know, there should be some sort of, like, health-related, like, you know, um, I find out if the person has some sort of mental issues. Yeah. What's the purpose of this? Have them hold on. But right now, any 18-year-old can go down to a gun show and buy a gun and that's not right. That's not the same as it is in Boston. I know No, in Boston is a little bit more a strict. Little, a little bit, but I think they could do you a little know, bit more to reform. But I'm saying on a on a more like widespread scale, it should be like nationwide. Yeah. Also, as a driver, you know you have different class of licenses. That's true too. That's true too. And with a gun license, you just have a gun license. Yeah. And a permit to for concealed carry. That's it. Yeah. 
This guy's very political. He's in the back there, but he's... <laughs> nah, that's why he's... But he's 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 like, 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 on the offset, but could I like just... I think, um... <laughs> practice. <laughs> you can practice. You practice. Me personally... Yeah. I'm sure you practice enough, bro. <laughs> Me personally... You I'm, brought I'm, it up. I'm just no, saying. I'm, I'm just saying, hey. But, but you're, not, you're not interested in some of, like, the cannabis type of, like, ventures, right? You, I know you've talked about investing into it. I'm very interested. Exactly. Very interested. I'm in the cannabis... Business. You're sponsored yeah, by it. so now nah, I have very a, a nice ties leaf. in the industry, in the cannabis industry. So. so what do you, what do you, what, what, what brought you into cannabis? Why do you, why do you have interest in that? Because I'm a businessman and I indulge in it. Why wouldn't I be? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Cause everybody smokes. Mm-hmm. Like the the thing about the cannabis business though is um very friendly business, hmm. but it's a secret society. But it's the most giving industry ever. I feel like most industries are secret societies. Most industries are protected, like clothing, music. Um, no, they're protect they're protected in, in, in like in secrets and in, in like in ideas of like what do you do and who you know. Hmm. This is more protected in like it's it, it's like I don't know. It's like either you, you kinda like you in it or you just kinda like you're not. You know, it's like a completely different You world. can't just jump into it now. You're saying most people already been involved for years on end. If you did, you'd probably just be jumping in with people who were jumping in. Hmm. You know, but there's people who've been in cannabis business. It's, it's 10 years old. Yeah. It's not nothing new. It's, it's been legal for 10 years in some parts of the country. But there's different... All right, so you say that, but there's different places in Massachusetts that are very hard. Like, like there's different like uh, cities, right? So you have Malden, you have Boston, you have Melrose, you have Walpole... Different cities are, are, are sanctioning in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So some city will say, hey, we're going to open up a shop here. Some are saying, we do not want a shop here because it's going to bring too many people like that we don't want around. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. Like, we're, like how are you visiting that? I think, still see, being I think that's the problem with it. Like, people who don't know the industry just think it's just shops. And that's all they see is shops. You know, right? they don't. They don't. But the know. city, right? So you have counselors, the city but, counselors. You have all. They're the ones that's like kind of holding us, holding it back. But I, I just don't think people understand the different the different forms of, of THC even. The different they don't even understand there's wax, there's there is just there's creams, there's cookies, there's edibles, there's there's so many different forms of cannabis and there's so many parts different parts of the industry. Yeah. It's not just smoke weed and go to a pot shop and that's it. It's yeah. it's way bigger than that. Yeah. And I think but the people on the inside they know that, but the people from the outside they just like, ah, oh, it's pothead shit. Yeah, and it's way more than some pothead shit. It's, yeah. a, it's a, it's it's some shit that people. Oh, you clapping, Louis? Clapping, Louis? It's the type of business. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But it, it's really the type of industry where people with multi million dollars want to put their money. True. So if you're a mover and you're shaking, you know what you're doing. This money in this industry, it's very easy to find investors mm. because they want to be in this. This is the next big thing. Mm. It's big. It's like the stock market. When I mean I start, I'm like, it's like um I'm sorry it's like um the internet remember when the first wave of the internet and everybody was just cashing in on it motherfuckers is cashing in on the weed industry it's huge right now you know I think um it's important that in our communities we pay attention you know what I mean and we, and we start to educate ourselves 
and what's going on. Yeah. You know, like with your just educate yourself with your peers. Find someone like you or like minded and you all build. You know what I mean? And that's what he said in anything you do, you have to network. Yeah. So you have to start your own networks of friends in your community. So if you got a buddy, he may not be your best friend, but you know some guy, hey, y'all start y'all start collaborating. And then you, you know what I mean, and you kind of go from there, and and this, and then, and you can collaborate on social network to some degree. And <laughs> yeah, but Al, you, you what what may seem simple to you is very difficult to others, right? And I say that out of respect, right? Because you you somehow are able to like invest in different areas, be involved in different areas, and you can also see it coming before others. And I say that because when I look at your podcast. Shit, you know how hard it is for like, like where you're at is pretty dope. Like, so you, how, like, you've been doing this for for years now before podcasts was popular, right? You were doing cannabis before cannabis was popular, right? Like, as far as like these trends, like, so you're able to see things that other people can't. But networking is still networking. If I want to be a rapper, I still you, have so to you're go saying out and network this is with DJ. Yes, if I want to be it's a rapper, not, and I'm but a, that's what I, we're sharing. Like, so but if I'm, if I'm a, a rapper, I want to be the next big rapper in the town. I can't stay in the house. I have to go to every guy to talk to every DJ, every yeah. producer. I have to network. Yeah. So if I want to be in the cannabis industry, I have to network with cannabis people. It's still the same thing. Yeah. Like he has to network with beat people if he wants there, to make there's, beats. There's something Correct, that we're bitch? not talking about. There's something, there's something we're not talking about. Now, I think that the Cannabis Control Commission here in the Massachusetts has done a great job at trying to get minorities and people of color in the door. Now, when you look at the miracle marijuana dispensaries that currently exist in Massachusetts, and I've looked up all the corporate filings for these people because I wanted to know who they were, most of these people are rich white guys who are out of state. Mm. A lot of them are from Colorado and other states that have been um, that have legalized marijuana for a long time, and, and I don't even want to say marijuana like cannabis. Now, the problem with that is that one, if we don't move, you know. We're not going to be able to, to get a minority owner. You know, there's only one minority-owned medical dispensary here in Massachusetts. Just one. In Brockton. Also mm. liquor. There's only one black owner of a liquor store in Brockton. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that, but that's crazy. Exactly. So why would you expect someone to own cannabis? Exactly. Come on, if there's one black owner of a liquor store in Boston, now, how could you possibly you, expect... You, you work like, in the bank industry. Common sense? Yeah. You work in the you bank industry. The secret society. Now, the, the Cannabis Control Commission has done their job. The reality is that there's not going to be many qualified applicants to get a cannabis recreational license. Because, I want to see the qualifications. Because, I'm going to tell you why. Because there's really not going to be that many people who are business black or brown uh, or business owners who are going to be interested in pursuing this. But and I, if they are, they need. They're gonna need to show a lot of like their their finances. That's the part that I want to so, see. So, so I want to see what the so financials he, so look he, like. I want to see what the credit has so to look he, like. So here I want to see what all that parts look like. Here we go. It, it breaks down to the like. It, it's about. I hate to cut you off, but it's about networking and where you start. So if you really want to do this, if you really really want to be in this industry, you have to start somewhere. So you, I don't think there's many people. In the urban community, who can get in the cannabis industry today? They won't be able to know. I don't think that because the well, sign-up yeah. money, you got to have two million to start off with first, the insurance policy and some other money, just to get an application. No, 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 no. That, the that's insurance policy has to the, be a two million dollar insurance exactly. policy. So, exactly. Exactly. So, so there's some things that has to. But we, we, I don't want to discuss all that stuff. But what I want to just say is getting getting in the industry because I'm gonna treat this shit like it's any other business. So it doesn't mean you can't go to school. 
It doesn't mean you can't learn the difference in your flowering and your in your veg cycles and learn seeds and learn growing. It doesn't mean you can't or just learn how to extraction. It doesn't mean you can't learn that shit right now. You can still get educated. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Because they need people to, to do this stuff, correct? Mm-hmm. So by you just sitting around saying I can't get in is the weak man's mentality. So if you network with a guy who's doing this and you start finding out the ins and outs, do you think Massachusetts is gonna be the only weed state in the next ten years? So if you got the knowledge and the information and you're ahead of the curve, where you want to be when the when the law state changes in the next state or the next state or the next state? I agree with you, but that's not the issue. The issue right now is that I want to see more people of color get those licenses. What I'm trying to say, you just said this. We just, right we, now, but what I'm saying is, the is people who have they're locking us out. That. They're now, locking this is us the problem. Out. Like but, you said, you know how you said about the knowledge can you of the get industry? in the industry. Don't be afraid. No. There's other ways to get in the back but, door. This is the problem. Like you know how you said that That's if you know if mentality. you understand the industry, you're mm-hmm. gonna be looking into a different states. Now, if but you, you, you got to get educated first. You can't just want a dispensary and you don't. How do you grow? You don't know how to grow. How do you have enough land? You, you don't, don't have enough land. Listen, I you I don't, don't think you don't need a, you don't need to 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 understand the, the industry as a whole. How Depending can you? On, how could you not? Under, how can you get in producing, making beats, and having a label? No, 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 no. If you don't know how to sign a one sheet, this, this, or this, 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 but this, how can you even this, get in the music in business the if you don't know industry? There's, there's different investors. categories. There's different categories. I'm saying, but there's you have to know the industry. But you But can someone get investors? If I want to say I want a label right now, and I don't know anything about a split sheet. I'm going to fucking lose my mind, correct? I want to label. You may, but but he's going to say, yo, sign a split sheet. He's going to get bliss. What am I going to do? What do I know there's about a split sheet? There's different things. Split sheet is, the split sheet is I'm one fucking of lost. Things. So if you don't know your shit, you're, you're lost. So you have to know your, you have to know your industry. But there's a lot of people. Yo, get out of here. You, you are invested into like seven different fields. I don't think you know every. You don't think I went to film school? Maybe you did. I'm not saying, but I'm just you saying. Don't like, think I went to, you I don't think, think I have a BS in you entrepreneurship? Think, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like just a silent investor. There's people that just like want to throw. In I'm some saying money anything I've money. been in, I've, I've studied and I learned. Yeah, I didn't yeah. just, I didn't just get here by accident. No, 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 no. no. But that's why you're here. Point is, is your respect. The point is, I'm trying to say is like I don't think every single person that invests into something knows the industry inside and out. But you don't have but to I, necessarily go to school. And this man just told you he dropped out of high school. Yeah. And he put his time and his energy in making beats. No, yeah. I got my diploma. So, if he put his energy, I don't. I'm just saying. But I'm saying I don't. But you, at that, I don't. He got his diploma, but he yeah. felt like that shit was nothing. Yeah. But he, I but he got himself it. educated. Educated yeah. is not necessarily getting your diploma. Educated is getting the knowledge. Yo, yeah. So he got the knowledge. You want to talk about Richie? He said he had to no, get fucking. But, but, he had to order. Motherfuckers had to order this nigga food. He, he, he had to order he, from he, another city. All right, all right, so he was successful. So he, in, he took the time to educate himself. Bohemia. He was successful. And make beats and live on somebody's sofa and do whatever he. Yo, do. Peep, peep. He's successful in the music industry. Yes. But how the hell did he get to where he's at yes. with the restaurant and, and, and club industry? He started, he started with a little fucking room, sorry for my sweats, in Mojitos in downtown, in a little fucking spot that he bought somebody, and he went and brought that to Randolph. He, there was no instructions to get to a pool, to a bar, So you don't think that Latin little club, club he had, he wasn't studying? He didn't learn yeah, all the mistakes? some of that stuff you have to learn on the job, too. But we can't learn on the job if you don't even get the job. I'm saying he has Listen, a back. He has so a background in sound. So he gets into cannabis. He gets into the well, cannabis industry, how right? How could you doubt this get, man at this no, time? No, no, there's no doubting. This is you're learning on the job. You have to like figure it out and 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 and, and learn. So what I'm saying is, cannabis industry is fucking hella hard to get in. 
But once you get in, there's a chance to, to grow, but it's not it's harder to grow if you're not even in. Listen, uh, my argument, and I want to You have to get clear. educated. That's all I'm saying is, Listen, is, is, is get educated, argument, network. My that's argument, all I'm saying. Get educated and network in the kingdom. My of argument. But, but that's, that, that education is what we're looking for, for everybody, right? But so that's you're saying for everybody argument, looking though. at... But it's still a good point. He's saying, like, for everybody that's watching the video... If you want to be successful in any industry, you have to know it and you have to work your resources and meet the people. I get that logic. What I'm saying is sometimes it's hard to even get that first foot in. So to get that first foot in, you, you may know all the information and you may never get to that one person you need to meet. What do you got to say about that, Rich? What I'm going to say about it is, is that there's different things in place already that are going to go against you. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going into the cannabis industry and I will get a fucking license. I can fucking guarantee that. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to get a license. That's what I'm talking about. Now, (laughs) what I want to see, though, and what I don't want to happen is I want more minorities to fucking own cannabis licenses. You don't want them to be left out in this this No, because, dude, I don't want this industry to become like the liquor industry. Like, if it it was up to me. Liquor was illegal during Prohibition. It became legal. And who owns most liquor companies? How many liquor companies can you name right now that are owned by a minority aside from Diddy? See, well, I was just told there's only one black owner in Boston. And he's not even a majority stakeholder. And he's selling his, in the process of selling his. But he's not a majority stakeholder. So those those companies were by somebody else who had that company and said, you know what, Diddy? I'm going to give you this percentage and I'm going to give you this much profit. And I want you to become the face of it because I want to cater to your people because your people are the ones who are consuming it. That's my problem. Cannabis as fuck. You know how many, dude? How many fucking people do we know that went to high school that got locked up because of how weed? Yeah, yeah. And fucked up their lives. So, so the the problem is right. Is you want to open a shop to fix it? You don't fix it by opening a shop. You fix it by having more, more voices saying like. We should own say that, all. Say it right there. Say it right there. Say it right there. Okay, hold on. I want no, people no, no. to hear this. Okay, listen. You fix the problem by letting the voices be heard and the voices saying we should own all the cannabis shops. I'm not saying we should own all. The we should shops. own all the cannabis shops. We have what been I'm the most. Hold on, is, hold on, hold on. Listen, we have been the most disfranchised group of people from cannabis. How many people have lost? Fathers and daddies and time and jobs and can't I mean, get licensed, can't over cannabis. School, yeah. We yeah. have been we have lost so much over it. So if any group of people is gonna prosper, it should only be us and us first. Because we, we have are. But but if we don't if, but if but we don't we say being, that, but, but we should demand that. But people and that's what and I'm we saying. We have been. Dude, we I've have been, to. Listen, no, I'm I saying and, and I'm saying, but that's the only way we're gonna really get some respect is until we say that listen, well, we have y'all been. should give us everything. And that's how I truly feel. I feel like we should own all the cannabis shops. I feel that way. If you're not a minority, you can't even have a cannabis but this, shop. But this is the thing, Hands down. I've been to well, I mean, no, Boston, but I've been to listen. I went to the hearings, area, but once it gets back, no, I mean across the country. Mind, you're talking about like, Eric. across the country. How I've many people the, are locked up, black and brown, in in, in in California? Yeah, no, I, I in, hear in you. Texas, yeah, yeah, in Georgia, for yeah. smoking a blunt, yeah, doing yeah. thirty days, yeah. can't get a job, yeah. losing their license, gotta pay eighteen hundred, yeah, no, I'm for with a it. fucking ten dollar bag of weed. I'm with it, except for the part where it's hundred percent ownership because you you still got places like so. Stoneham, how does somebody now? Because I got a million dollars money, I got a million dollar bank account. I can out buy you and I can serve you, and y'all am gonna prosper from this. That's I mean, because I got the big money. It shouldn't be like that. It should the two million dollars shouldn't even matter. 
Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. They're, they're, they're fooling you already by putting the $2 million stamp on you. But why are you even saying that, though? Because that's not true. Well, the, the, the $2 million insurance you thing. Need a you fucking, have to, no, you need a $200 insurance. You don't need two, a $2 million insurance. You don't need $2 million in the bank. That's not true. You, you still need a building. But you, you but you're need, saying that, you still, but you're saying that it's messing up people's minds who are listening to you speak, and they're saying, "Oh, okay, I don't excuse me, I'm sorry, dollars. I'm sorry." You need a two million dollars. A insurance two million dollar insurance is only going to cost you a couple hundred dollars, uh, maybe like four or five hundred dollars a month. That's a reality. Mm-hmm. You need assets but, to put but up. The, but that. the reality you is, how do you get, get a two million dollar insurance? You're not going to get easy. You're not getting two million dollars insurance. You get a two million dollar insurance by fucking paying monthly. Not you have a business. Else. They're gonna put your house on lease. You got to put collateral Bro, up for they're that. They're gonna put collateral. Yeah, they're gonna have to put some collateral up for that. There's no this way is, this is a... just to get, and then you need, a, and then how much is the application? It's only a couple hundred dollars, probably okay. like fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. Only fifteen hundred dollars, and that doesn't guarantee you getting anything, right? That's just to paying it in, correct? No, this is the problem. I mean, this is the problem. Test, this is where I agree with you. Where people uh-huh. need to get educated because people need to know their sourcing, where they're gonna get their weed from. It has to be from the state. Mm. This is why it's important to network and go to different meetings and meet different people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's possible. It's doable. And we should try to do it. I mean, that's the reason why the conversation got brought up. Because I you know, I know when I spoke to Richie, Richie said he's out there learning about it. And as you can tell, Abby's definitely invested into it, which is a good thing, right? I think I think this is what the I, the, the, the I message should I, be. I, you know what? I, I choose some things are just better not said. I just rather kinda of be you know what I mean? But the fact is, anyone can get involved. That's what I'm trying to say. But I totally agree with Richie. Like, like we we need to own these these can we need to be in this industry because we have suffered so much. And how we get there is gonna be different. But I hope we're able to get there. You know what I mean? And and, it, and it's like we really can't be divided. We have to be together. And that's how we're gonna really get there. Because if we're divided. They're going to just play us and continue to run us in circles. I mean, I like that whole, you know, keep it together for most industries, right? Or for most, even the community. I think being together in community, we could get a lot more confidence. You got to understand, like, like this industry, like, we are the promote. Like, Snoop Dogg was doing this shit. Like, Snoop Dogg and and Redman and them them brothers, they were losing contract and advertisement because they wanted to smoke weed. You understand what I'm saying? They couldn't get deals because they were pro-weed. Yeah. But now... Everybody wants to be pro weed. And then maybe come on, man. Right. We've been we've been we've been supporting this, and we've been in the forefront of this forever, forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Since yeah. weed smoking was cool, you know what I mean. You have your hippies, and I wouldn't say that they, you know, but over the last 20, 30 years, you know what it is. <laughs> come on, man. I think the biggest thing is educating the public. About what cannabis, what what it does, and we've yeah. suffered the most. You know, I promote think, the most and suffer the most. I'm sorry. We we, you know, cannabis I think what has you're saying is, of, is it started with a certain, but now it's spreading out to a lot more. And but the thing is, like you know, people don't know that there's different strains that do different things and make you feel different oh, yeah. ways. People don't understand that there's a lot of um, positive. You know, CBDs and CBD is great. So that, that's you what know? I mean. People have to get there until they get there. They the have thing to is, have their don't fight cannabis. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of towns now that are oh, not in my backyard. 
But like the reality is like it's it should be no, but it should be like don't fight cannabis, fight opioids. Oh dang. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. That's the, oh, that's, that's that's the, the problem. Hell, that's the problem. That's the problem. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sure. One of the reasons that it's been so difficult for cannabis to get in the door is because there's a lot of companies that do opioids that don't want that's it to get in. That's right. That's yeah, because right. there's a bunch of industries that's going to lose a lot of money. They're going to lose a lot of money. And then cannabis starts taking over and then they become obsolete. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes to cannabis for their, for their you know, for their... You know, relaxation and, and being able to take care of some of their ills and aches, right? So I think that's extremely valid. But at the end of the day, where, where are you guys going with the next? Which what the cannabis? Yeah, where you going? Like, uh, the one bad law that I think is bad, bad that this is something you kind of brought up early. Where you sit on gun laws? I feel like if I have a weed license, it shouldn't take away my gun license. That's one thing I feel because the motherfucker go out. Excuse my language. A person can go out here and drink and be drunk and probably shoot everything up. Person go out here smoke five blunts and he gonna probably just drive home and get there safe. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, cause I smoke, you want to take my gun license, but I can go drink at all the bars in the town. It goes back to educating on, people. Man. About so education like, people. Yeah. like the, the problem like is, that, is there's a certain group of people that's hard to educate. Right, they're already stuck in their ways. I'm playing the other side where they already feel that the weed is gonna destroy the community. They feel that you know, giving you know whatever it is access to more. Check is gonna this hurt out. Us. There was a opiates guy. Is there, at the end of the day, there there's a, a reason why opiates became something, right? No, they, but they this, there, was, help people, there was a there was a guy. I think I, it was out in uh, Cape Cod somewhere. He bought some weed from somebody, and he almost died because it was laced with fentanyl. So I believe that having recreational dispensaries. Is the best thing to do because why? There's gonna be accountability. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you buy some weed and there's something wrong with it, that weed is gonna be registered to a growing facility that gets sold it to you. Exactly. So there's gonna be accountability for that. You know what I mean? Right now, the way the current market sits, there's no regulation and there's no accountability. You know, you can have somebody go off and buy a pound from somebody. You know, they sell that pound and it's laced from fentanyl. Now you have, you know, fucking 30 people that bought from this guy that potentially could get OD because they stole fentanyl or or, or or another substance that shouldn't be in there. You know what I'm saying? So my, that would be my argument to the towns. Now you ask what is my goal or what's next? I'm going to have several dispensaries that are for recreational use they're gonna be in the city. They're gonna be helping educate the neighborhood and young people, so they understand how it is or, or what cannabis is. No, I, I think it's important. I think when you got your young guy that has to resort to certain items to get high, that's a problem, right? Especially when there's something then that's legal and is a lot better for you, right? So I think that's a better, a much better, you know, what avenue to take. But at the end of the day, these young guys still got to go to school and they still got to try to live their life and they still got to go come across those people that are still taking those other drugs. So you're, you're fighting against other drugs, you're fighting against the city, you're fighting against, you know, the, the drug law to begin with. So I think that's the battle. So Do you get drunk before you go to work? <laughs> Absolutely not. So it goes back to knowing what's right and what's wrong and that happens through education, educating people on what, what you should do and when you should do it. How does that education look like that? Bro, just I like mean, work. is that in school? You know, it's as simple as me and you having a conversation. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, I'm saying you know what cannabis does. I know what cannabis does. Sometimes, honestly, I can smoke weed, but I don't feel comfortable driving. But how do we get to those people that's gonna prevent 
you know, people from being able to do both, smoking and carrying, right? How do we get to those people and educate them? Because they're the ones that's still in control, right? No matter what we say and how much sense it makes, these guys are still going to say, well, I still don't want Albie out there with this and this, right? So how do we get to I them? Think, how do we educate I those think, people? Because they're the ones that... Or you're just talking about the next generation, just working honest, on this generation so the next be, generation comes to up. To be honest, I'm, I'm shocked at how far we've come so fast. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I'm just have complete, but there's still other barriers. There's still barriers to cross. And I just think with this administration, we'll never get past that barrier. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just more patience. But that's just something that we have to, that I, because you asked the question, well, in the the weed, in the the cannabis industry, what do you see as a barrier? And I just think that's something that's kind of like an unfair, um, you know, if I have a medical problem and I need medical cannabis, why are you taking my gun, gun license from me? Yeah. You know, like yeah. what does what does that have to be? You know, I just think it's uh, nah. I don't think they have to, anything to do with each other. They may not, but they still control it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about. No, but what no, you they said do. was pretty dope. At they the end do. of the day, the generations that we are controlled, yeah, so like we can just, support, is going to be the reason why we can continue to make fight. some changes in the yeah, future. In the, in the yeah, and I agree so, with that. I just think know, right now, always, we, we, I think, like you said, we've come a certain way, we've come a long way, and we have mm-hmm. to be, you know, appreciate what we have. I mean, the fact that you're even talking about investing and owning how many, you know, you know, dispensaries, that to me is fuck, is hella cool. And the fact that you're so involved with it too is pretty cool. So I mean, I guess that's pretty cool in itself. Um, just to kind of start wrapping up for, for you know for each person, Richie, um, you did your part with the music. Now, now you you own one of the biggest clubs, right? Uh, you, how, you know what is what is life like now for you, and where you know what are, what are you trying to do moving forward? Um, I'm right now. I'm enjoying my kids, enjoying my family. I thought I was gonna die a few months ago. Why? I went to the hospital for something, and they found some other shit, and I was just like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, thank goodness you're okay. But right? thank God, thank God everything's good. Uh-huh. Salute good health. But that kind of made me reflect on, on life and what's important. Mm. And what's important is family. Amen. You know, right. your kids. Having, Amen. Watching sure. your kids grow. You know, building a future for them um, through different businesses mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, right now, that's, that's kind of like my main focus. You know, I think that what everybody should know is that nothing is impossible. For real. Nothing is impossible. For real. And I'm going to put it in the simplest terms. Like, this is going to sound kind of stupid, but this week I bought a a, a new dishwasher, uh, a new stove, and a new microwave. Now, I don't know shit about plumbing and a new faucet. I installed everything. I did everything. I fucking disconnected the, the, the dishwasher that was hardwired. You know, and I I plugged in the new one. I did the I ran the plumbing for the new one. I had installed my uh, the garbage disposal thing that you got on your sink. I did that myself. So the point is, is like, there's so much information out there that if you want to accomplish something, fucking go on YouTube, and there's gonna be somebody that's gonna give you some information. There's gonna be another person that's gonna fill in the blanks for the last person. And before you know it, you're going to know what you're yeah, talking no, about. That's true. When my daughter, she's 13, she's like, that, how do I do this? I'm like, did you check how to do it yourself before you come to me? Because mm-hmm. I'm there to teach her the stuff that can't be taught, right? Mm-hmm. But everything that can be taught, I feel like she can learn from the, the Googles and YouTube. Because we didn't have that. And so if we did, who knows? But My point is yeah. that the same thing could be applied to anything you want to do in life. Yeah. Like he said, you want to get into the cannabis industry? Educate yourself. Learn about the different YouTube. things. Go on YouTube. Go on YouTube and watch everything you, you want to become a banker. Uh-huh. 
educate yourself. Jeez, you never lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to be a music producer? Learn the basics. Yeah. And start doing your own thing and see what that gets you. You know what's good about that too? Because watching that shit, you'll learn what you like and what you don't like. Mm-hmm. So you'll be like, man, I don't want to do that shit. But you'll find out like this intrigues me, and you'll start searching that way more. Or you'll, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a great way to kind of find out what you really want to get into before you get all the way into it. Yeah. You'll be like, man, this is, looks like it's a little bit more work than I thought. Mm, damn, the cost on these, are, uh, that's what you have to do? Hmm, well, this part of it is kind of cool. Well, let me kind of investigate. You know, it might be a whole different avenue you didn't even, you know, like uh, you said, he looked in and he said, ah, damn, well, the electrical part of the dishwasher shit is cool, but the fucking... Pipes, man, that's a beast. You know what I mean? You probably got to save that for the plumber. That's what what I'm saying. But the point is that anything is possible, bro. Everything and anything. Look what he did. Well, then, wait, wait, Listen, wait, wait, he bought it. Don't take away bought, my. Don't no. take away my segue out of this. Point is, let me stick on you, <laughs> Richie. All right, so just for Richie, I want to finish off with Richie real quick. So Richie, you know, I met him in high school. Like I said, he was a pretty boy. You know, and and I didn't know. And that's my bad for like putting any type I, of I'm like. I'm still a pretty yeah, boy, yeah, bro. Yeah, you're still a pretty boy. <laughs> but yo, when, but this guy was like when he's the guy that walked in the hallways and everybody, like, yo, Richie, yeah, and I, you know, all the. So, but the point is, is that you know, at, at the same time, he's working on his music, right? And then, and then he went and he created Light and Grammy, and what that's impressive. But for me, what's more impressive is the fact that he took a lot of the the winnings and everything he's done, invested that into a small a club. And that club was successful, and he took that and, and turned it into an even bigger club. And now the guy, you know, he owns, he, he has a lot of, you know, real estate. He owns a club, and now he's investing into other vent- ventures as well. So for me, that's that's the dope part about it, is the growth. And then to segue to Al, you know what I mean? This guy started with a, with a food truck. He had a successful magazine, and from the, he has a podcast. And when I looked at podcasts... The only podcast I could see that was as cool as his is like something out of like New York, Noriega, you know, Drink Champs. That's the, the closest thing I could ever mm-hmm. see at the Breakfast Club. But that's not that's like an interview, you know, like that's a, that's a radio show. But when I see his podcast, I'm extremely impressed and a little jealous that I can't, I haven't got there yet. I'm working on it, but still, I just I love the growth that you've been able to accomplish because not only as well you're investing in different areas, but what you're doing, you're successful at. Right, and as as you can tell, he's well versed in certain areas, and he wants to continue to do more. So, for me, how do you want to be left, and how does your message has to be left to to others? Oh man! Because oh. you're another example of you can do anything you put. You know, if you work hard, you can make it happen. Work hard, man, and then like dedicate yourself to whatever it is that you're gonna do and know your shit. You know, um. Just know it. Just, just yeah. Just study, man. Just like know your shit. Don't take time off, man. Don't, don't fuck. Don't, don't waste. Don't waste time. Mm. You know, don't waste time. Time is so valuable. Time is so valuable. So like, if you're really gonna do something, do it. Mm. You know, if not, then move on to the next one. Right. Don't, don't, don't lie to yourself. Like, you know, sometimes you know, like you like, man, I'm gonna clean this closet. I'm gonna clean. It. And you bullshit. And you playing yourself. You ain't gonna clean your closet. Stop lying to if yourself. If you really wanted to clean the closet, you would have cleaned you it. You feel like yo, yo, you better <laughs> yeah, off like yeah, yo, baby. You yeah, want to clean? Yeah, yeah. You're better off doing yeah. that and going doing something else so you can get can you keep moving. But don't lie to yourself. Like right. that's the like just. So if you want to do something, if you want to be in the cannabis industry, man, go on YouTube today and start googling. That's all I can say. And research everything. And research and. Shit. I think I think that. One of the, the the mans that I really look up to and I respect said the most perfect thing ever. He said, the genius thing that we did was that we didn't give up. And that was said by JC. 
Don't give up. You just gotta keep going. And sometimes that's the key to success. Mm-hmm. It's not giving up. And through your trials and tribulations, you're motivating a lot of other people, right? Same thing with you. You're motivating myself and other people as well with what we're trying to accomplish. So you gotta you know. think. I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Whether you get there or you don't get there, there's something next. <laughs> See, I, whether you just get to, just there, to elaborate a little bit on that because I think was I don't know certain gener- just young. They think that once they see that and it doesn't work out for them, that it's over. What's over? Their 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 career, their 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 you know their project, their life. They like there's so much that goes into this stuff for them. So if it doesn't go their way, they get easily defunct, and they're like, you know what, I'm all set. I'm gonna just move on. But that's what I'm saying. Like some people don't understand the power of pushing through and continue to aspire, even though I think that's, it may not go I your way. That, you I'm know, that, that's, you that's the problem with kids today. They want everything now, man. Tell like me. patience, man. If you ain't got no patience, like in persistence, like it's patience. It's important. But like you might not come up for another 10 years. Yeah. I'll tell you a real story. This is the, one of the coolest stories I think I like, but it was very motivational. Um, rest in peace to Jonas. Do you remember, LR, you know, colon line LRG. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the owner, research group. Exactly. The owner of LRG, his name is Jonas. He passed away <clears throat> some years back. <clears throat> but um, he told me, like, he was like, man, Cheddar, like, I went seven years with no success, lost money for seven years with this clothing line. Seven years. LRG failed for seven years. Like, that's a long, like, I used to be like, damn, two years there, son. Three years, you you know what I mean? I would definitely move on. But this man went seven years. You still know who that clothing line is today. And this man has passed away almost, it's, it's been a while now. Mm-hmm. Five, ten years. It's been some time now. You know? Yeah. Man, it's, it, it made, man, Jonah's been gone for a while, man. Rest in peace. But his, his dedication and his motivation is still here with us today because of that. All the you know what I mean? Yeah. So, the people, the legacy, like, the legacy, don't give. Right? Yeah. So, don't. You know. And 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 the one thing I will say about business, the most important. This is one thing I say about business. And this is how you know if you're in the right thing. In business, there's some days when there's no money. So if your passion doesn't pick you up to do that shit when there's no money, then move on, because in some stuff there's just no money some days. So what the success is, is can I do this when there's nothing? And then when there's something, you will reap the reward. But if you can't do it when there's nothing, then move on. To emphasize on what he's saying, I think that, you know, if you're going into business, you got to love what you do. Absolutely. Exactly. Because it's not working. Absolutely. Yeah. Bro, I fucking love what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love going to the club. Who the club. hell wouldn't love what you do? You no, know, there's people that go some power. You no, know? Like, I love going to the studio. I love yeah. working, staying fucking till 7 o'clock in the morning. Like, even now, today, I fucking, you know, I go to the studio and I work and I stay there till 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and I, walk, I get home. I moved my studio to Miami about a year ago. I and right now, I have one of the hottest studios in Miami, bro. Oh, and that shit God. is lit. See, so, twi- so, <laughs> so 15 <laughs> years later, I say, shout out went to Miami. Where's it at? To Miami. Yeah. My, I moved my studio to Miami yeah. because I was like, yo, I, bought, I had like three, four hundred thousand dollars like worth of equipment yeah. sitting in my pool house. Yeah. And I was like, this ain't doing nothing here. Let me I remember when you Miami. told me you were going to do that. Yeah. How's it doing out there? Great. Mm. You know, I went over, you know what's funny, dude? I went down to Miami. Um, I brought the suitor down and I left it there. I did it with Nacho. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nacho is like my boy. He's already he's one of the guys I won the Grammy with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I left. I just said, yo, I plugged everything in and I fucking left. I came back like three or four months later. I did a few, few things left. I came back um, like three or four months later again, and in that in one week that I was there, I was there for like one or two weeks. I worked with the fucking top artists right now, the top artists, the top songwriters, the top producers. They were all in the studio fucking making music, and it worked out. And you're not even there. <laughs> and I'm not even there. I'm not even there. You're not even there. That's that was like money while you sleep. Um. So not nah, so. I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. So for me, I, I again, I I want to thank you guys for coming on. I want to thank Mike, Juan, Freddie, everybody in the studio, Helio, Brian, and 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 Lewis. I want to thank you guys for coming out. But for me, this whole thing was all about trying to get other people to understand that it is possible, right? Through whatever lane you decide, there's some information that was given to the lane that you, you that you want to get into and understanding what it takes to be successful. And for me, I appreciate it because I feel like there's so many young minds out there that just don't, that don't see enough success in front of them. And I'm here to tell you, there's success in front of us. This, this, um, this has definitely been an honor, honestly. Word. You guys word. Talk about everything, all the information. So, so much experience. Has been an honor. And, and, and it's not even like you guys are like really, you guys are young and there's so much more to do. So for me, it's 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 been a privilege to watch you guys. And more importantly, I can't wait to see you guys in the next 10, Listen, 15 years. If a Facts. poor black kid can make it and an immigrant kid from the Dominican Republic can make it, yes. anyone could. Word. There's no excuses. <laughs> No excuses. His story is crazy. My story, like this man said, he wasn't even supposed to be here. Like, <laughs> yo, if you can't, if is this not inspiring, like, like I want to do your song, but I can't come to you, motherfucker. He knew. <laughs> he like, let me tell you what's inspiring about Rich was the, like he what he learned early yeah. was one thing he learned and he knows when you got that fire, motherfuckers gonna come to you. That's true. When you got that fire, they coming to you. And he had motherfucker came from Venezuela to to this bean. That's facts. That so that just salute to Boston. You bring a motherfucker from Venezuela. Nigga like, yo, I brought some bitches from out of town. Woo 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 woo. Nigga, I brought some hoes from Venezuela. It's a whole music team. That's some cold shit, man. Cold shit, yeah. He's global, man. He's global. So there, that's that's a cold move. So he knew he had power, you know. And now he'll bring you. To Randolph to party with him. Uh, I'm party. Right? 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 Let's go to Randolph. Let's go to Randolph. Let's go to party. Let's go party. Let's go party. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nah, 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 nah. All bullshit aside, this is all stuff, right? I appreciate y'all coming out. No bullshit, because I know how hard it is. This is y'all Sunday, so I appreciate y'all coming out. No bullshit. Yo, mm-hmm. my wife's pissed at you, bro, but uh, you can deal with that later. Yo, till I apologize. Sunday is family day. Yo, my God. I was like, yo, I can't. I was like, she was like, why don't you just cancel? I was like, I can't. That's my oh, I appreciate it. I was redoing. Not I was in the middle of rehab no today. I said I paint on my till hands. Till I appreciate it. Bye, too. Hopefully she likes it and she understands what this is about. I was about. working it's hard for today, us, right? too. Uh, it's not from us, like you said. I don't get paid for shit. You don't get. Oh, we're, this, we're just doing. Yeah, but this is not. But this shit don't get really paid for. This is just doing it because I love to oh, be able to support and give out. Same thing. You, uh, nah, this, this is, is just important for people. Like to two see. different, two completely different backgrounds, but growing up in the same streets. Yeah, why can't you we know have? What I mean, and like, like kind of probably like just facing the you same. Say-